hundred-page cantos. This is a poem of legendary complexity, as hard and rich as any art produced in that century, but Pound's difficulty lies not only in the challenge of how to read his poetry, but also how to reconcile it with his life's contradictions. He loved the American Constitution and spent the Second World War broadcasting anti-American propaganda from Mussolini's Italy. He was a racist who held that the summit of human truth was to be found in African myth, Chinese philosophy, and Japanese plays. He is difficult because he is a man who may accurately be described by the most cartoonish names. Fascist, madman, genius, traitor. He was the best and the worst. And just as his strengths seem to cancel his failings, so too do those failings falsify the strengths. You cannot write the history of twentieth-century literature without giving Pound a starring role in the story, but you can call him the hero or the villain. Both parts are his. Writing in Poetry Magazine in 1916, the celebrated American poet Carl Sandburg claimed, All talk on modern poetry by people who know ends with dragging in Ezra Pound somewhere. He may be named only to be cursed as wanton and mocker, poseur, trifler, and vagrant, or he may be classed as filling a niche today like that of Keats in a preceding epoch. The point is he will be mentioned. In 1916, Pound was thirty years old, and already the contradiction is set. For those who care about poetry, Pound is either the sign of all that is wrong or the best thing going, but he cannot be ignored. Sandberg continues, one must know how to spell his name, and have heard rumors of where he hangs his hat when he eats, and one must have at least passing acquaintance with his solemn denunciados and his blurted quiddities, in order to debate on modern poetry, and in such debate zigzag a course of progress. It is not enough to read his poems alone, for it is in his life that he becomes an emblem of what a poet is and should be. Sandberg mentions Keats, for Keats is the kind of poet who is easy to love, a boy of extravagant talent who lived a poet's life and usefully died young. He knew his niche and filled it beautifully. But Pound is not Keats. His place is not so certain. Where he hangs his hat one day may not be the same tomorrow. And this is not all. Pound's contradictions remain with us. They are the uncertainties of our time, and if we wish, in Sandberg's phrase, to zigzag a course of progress, we must consider Pound and his place in our world. A mile from where I work in central London is the National Portrait Gallery, an ornate Victorian temple which houses the faces of Britain's history. On the second floor is the Statesman's Gallery. It is an avenue of important men and a couple of women of the nineteenth century, and the statesmen have monocles, watch-fobs, and splendid names such as Lord George Cavendish Bentinck. The portraits have black backgrounds, and the only person in this gallery not wearing a black suit is the cricketer W. G. Grace, and he is the most stately of the lot, a mountain of a man in cricket whites and wide square beard. Here, decorum matters. To the side of the gallery is room 24, where the writers are, and they too wear black. 
Elizabeth Barrett Browning and Robert Browning are looking at one another, muted, ready for a funeral. Dickens is in very dark green trousers and frock coat. A tie pin holds a spray of black cravat. The Reverend Charles Kingsley, author of The Water Babies, looks like your headmaster's headmaster. Thomas Hardy wears a black suit and a white shirt. This was an age which considered writers lesser statesmen, and they dressed the part. Continue a little further now to the end of the gallery and left, and as you turn you leap into a new century. The portraits shrink, and here at last is color, and here at last the writers look alive. In the painting by Dora Carrington, Lytton Strachey is lying reading. He wears a fuzzy dressing gown with a red paisley blanket on top, and he holds a book tenderly with long, amazing hands. Dylan Thomas, painted by Augustus John, is wearing what looks like a...